Hello, and thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Minister John Richard, and this podcast is an account of this week's Bible study. I pray it blesses and strengthens you in Jesus' name. If you want more of the Word, please feel free to check the links in the description. Enjoy the Bible study and be blessed. Amen and amen indeed. I want to first start off before we get in the Bible study, make uh, two quick announcements. One, again, if you check the description, either for the YouTube version or the podcast version, there are links that will lead you to the adjacent versions of the ministry. And also there's a download link for the Bible study notes. The same thing I read from, I give that to you guys so you can reference it if you're re-watching, re-listening, or if it's your first time. Um, secondly, again, for Christmas and New Year's, both of those days are on a Friday, so those messages will be pre-recorded and available for you guys that morning around 8 a.m. So you will be enjoying your day, and if you need me, again, you can contact me. I'm here. But let's <clears> hop <throat> into the Word. Our lesson for this week is actually the end of our, um, our little three-part series that we had. First, we looked internally, then we looked externally about the world around us, <clears throat> and now we're talking about the thing that brings it all together. Our lesson for this week is entitled, Turn On The Light. Not turn on a light, not turn on the lights like the lights I have on in my room or in your perspective homes, but no, turn on the light. And that light that I'm referring to, his name is Jesus. My family, <clears throat> we've spent um, the last three Bible studies, this one included, really soul searching, I'll say. We've taken the time to acknowledge what's wrong with me. What's wrong with me, the person? What's going on in my life? What am I allowing to stop me from growing? What am I still holding on to? What are some things that I need to let go? Then the week after that, we talked about our flags. We talked about the things that are contrary to what the gospel says, and we talked about whether or not we're attentive to them or we're inattentive. Are we aware of what's going on around us or are we just letting life literally fly by us? And now we're talking about the light source itself. There are no special definitions for this week, but there is something that I want you to remember before we hop into the word. It's that when Jesus died on Calvary, he didn't do it just for a select group of people. He didn't do it for the those people in the back. He didn't do it for the people on the side. He didn't do it for the just for those who were okay. He did it for everybody. The Bible says that all sin is equal unto death, all of it, not some of it, not that particular one, but all sin equates to death. The wages of sin is death. So if you don't repent of your sins and turn to Jesus, then uh, death, it, it's not fun. It's not pretty. We don't like to talk about death, but we do know because we've talked about it in past Bible studies that death for the believer is not death. To be to live is for Christ and to die is to gain. Do not forget that. While we're living here, we're doing work for the master. We're getting other people saved. We're getting the family expanded. 
we're doing the, the righteous work that is spreading the glory of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. When we go home, not die, but when we go home, we are brought unto his glory to be with him just like he promised. Where I go, you will follow. Where I go, you'll be right there with me too. So let's hop into the word. We're going to start in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. And the Bible says, In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God, and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. Let me just note that real quick. We were talking about a word. We were talking about a culmination of something. But then the tense changed. It went from us talking about a figment to us talking about a person. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. Or in the King James Version, the darkness did not comprehend it. Or in the Amplified, it says that the darkness did not understand it or overpower it or appropriate it or absorb it. And it is unreceptive to it. What does that mean for me, you, the rest of this big blue world of ours? Well, it simply means that that cliche that we have that what's done in the dark will come to the light. It has biblical factuality behind it. All sins are done in the dark. And if you would like an alliteration, I would like you to think about how most bugs are insects. And I know it's kind of gross, but bear with me. Most bugs and insects and all creepy crawly critters, they like to band together in the darkness. They like to, to you know, just swarm, I'll say. But as soon as you shine light into their little cesspool, they begin to scray. They begin to, to run away. They begin to just dissipate from whatever area that they were gathering up upon. So what does that mean for you and for me? If we take our sins and we shine the light that is the word of God on it, and we expose them for what they are, then what can the darkness do to your sins that are now out there in the light? Well, they can't understand that they're being exposed. They cannot comprehend the light of Jesus. So the darkness who cannot understand this light that is now being shown upon it cannot overpower it. Though it wants to keep existing in your life, it cannot exist anymore because now it is being destroyed. It is being obliterated. It's being terminated on the spot. I talk to you guys every week and I usually put myself on the spot because I'm going to attack me 10 times out of 10 before I attack anybody else. I tell you guys all the time what's wrong with me. That majority of these Bible studies usually come because of something God has either brought me out of or God is bringing me through. When I do that, I'm not giving my sins the opportunity to fester. I'm not giving them a chance to, to bring more filth and dirt to try and cover them up. Just like in the end days when people who haven't repented to God will be running and asking the mountains to try and cover them up because they're ashamed of what they've done, they won't be able to hide because the light himself 
will be searching them out. Not to mention nothing can be hidden from the eyes of God. So while you willingly have the choice and chance to do so, those are key words. While you have the choice and chance, because God does not take your free will away, to openly admit what's wrong with you, to openly seek forgiveness from God, to repent, which means make a 180, not a not a 360, but a 180. You turn away from the direction that you were going to. If I was southbound, now I'm northbound because I made a 180. If I was going east, now I'm going west. When you shine Jesus's light, when you expose what's wrong internally inside of you, what's going on, that you need a new heart, that you need a, a new mindset, that you need a new environment, that you need a new set of people or places in your life, then you are telling Jesus straight up, Lord, this darkness that was trying to overtake me, I know cannot comprehend your majesty. I know it cannot overpower you. I know that Satan, as much as he would like to try, cannot appropriate the kingdom of light. As much as he wants to pass his facade of the kingdom of darkness as a kingdom of light, it won't work because he's trying to appropriate. Just like cultural appropriation, he's trying to spiritually appropriate God's kingdom. But how does that always work? It doesn't. Not to mention it is it can absorb God's power. It can't even it's not even receptive of what's going on. So to make a mouthful short, when you expose any and everything that's wrong and it takes a big step in your part. But the same the same way as we say the smallest or the tiniest iota, take the, the little step or the iota, which is the smallest letter in the Greek alphabet. And as you keep making those iota movements, then eventually you come into a big area, an open landfill that you can either fill with garbage, or it can be a wonderful and beautiful garden that's filled with God's promises. And all you have to do is to expose whatever it is. I've told you guys countless times about my own struggle with porn or with self-obsession or with people or with video games or with whatever it is that I may have struggled with. And as I continue to be human and I'm full of fallacies and I make mistakes and I mess up, if God has it at the forefront of my mind and my heart that I know it's an issue and I need to get rid of it, then I'm going to expose it first. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask for prayer and I'm going to make this word practical and take all the steps and necessary measures to be rid of it. We're not perfect. God doesn't expect you to be perfect while you're down here. But what he does expect is for you to make an honest, an honest and an earnest step forward in doing the right thing, which is pleasing him, loving him, spreading the word and living holy because he is holy. I know it sounds hard at times, but it's honestly a lot easier than trying to find or make a way for yourself out here in this cruel, cruel world. Moving on to Philippians chapter two, verses one through 11. I'll put that on screen. And the Bible says, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, 
any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take on interests in others too. You must have the same attitude Christ Jesus had. Let me say it one more time. You must have the same attitude that God himself in the form of man like you and me had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father." I love this scripture so much because between the world's view of what love is and what the actuality of love is, being God's perfect love, they are two different things. See, worldly love is actually just lust, and it's spelled L-O-V-E to try and confuse you. See, worldly love says do that for this person because it will benefit you. Go donate to that charity because it'll get you a little bit of clout so that when you need to have your back scratched, you'll have some people in your pocket. Go do this, this, and that for those select people because you know that they can pay you back. Mm, that's worldly love. It looks terrible because it always wants something more than the reciprocated affection. But godly love was Jesus, who is God, who was God, and who will always be God. And he looked out into this dying world and he said, you know what? No, not a single one of them, not who's born, who's born now, or who will ever be born, will have enough money to put something down on their books to rid them of their rap sheet. So you know what, God? Father, I'm going to go down there and do it. If you would just prepare me a body, I'll make things right for them so that they can come back to us. Because a man sold them out, because they sold themselves out, in order to appease your perfect will, a man or another human being needs to go ahead and right the wrong that was done. So, Lord, if you just prepare me a body, I'll go do it. And I know they don't have a single thing that can they that they can repay us with, but that's okay because we don't want anything from them. We just don't want to see them suffer. In the same way a good parent doesn't want to see their child suffer, in the same way that a good parent wants to see their child outdo them, so too did God Almighty come down in the form of our beloved Savior, Christ Jesus, in the form of a person just like you and for me to die for the straight the gay, the murderer, the adulterer, the fornicator, the child molester, whoever and whatever you did, God died just for you. Because I know those of us in the church, not us, the, the actual disciples of God, but those who love to, to live in hate 
and pass it off as love, which is worldly love, because it's full of lustful desires that help pave their pockets to do things. No, we're not talking about that. We're talking about real love. The love that when the light shines, all the darkness that was in your life is just gone. Boom. It's vanished like a twinkling of an eye. When that love is shown, it makes you realize that, you know what? I was living this life wrong and that the only thing I should want from another person is to see them get saved, too. I don't get up here every week and thank you, Jesus, for the past six months ministering a word because I want something for you guys. The only thing that I want is for you to get it to, whether it's to get a relationship with Jesus or to further your relationship with Jesus. My sole desire is the Lord's desire, and that's to get as many people saved as possible. If I wanted something more than God willing, I wouldn't be up here because he would not permit it. Now, our word says that at the name of Jesus, every single person would be saved, meaning that if you just call on that name, Jesus, there's power in the name of Jesus, as the songs say, to not only shine light in the darkness, but to destroy every stronghold, every vile imagination, every everything that you may have been trapped in, whether if you're like me, it was some sort of sexual addiction if you deal with alcohol, drug abuse, people obsession, you suffer from low self-esteem, depression, suicide, whatever it is, Jesus died just for you. And he has so much love that he has enough for every single person that was born, that is born right now, that will be born until this good old world goes bye-bye. He has enough love for every single one of us. And yeah, I know we talked about the, the worldly lust love and how bad it looks, but Real love, as Jesus said, there's no greater example of that than for a man to lay his life down for a friend. And Jesus the Christ, God Almighty, the consubstantial essence of the Trinity, came down in a body like yours and mine, and he died for you and for me. He got up on a cross that became a curse, and he shed his blood and water that came pouring out of his side for the remission of our sins. And all he simply wants in return is for you to accept the free offer that he laid on the table. He won't force you to take it like the world forces you to take things and then pay them back later. No, 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 no. God wants to freely give it to you. And once you freely take it, he wants to freely build that relationship so that you can grow, so that you can evolve, so that you can shed off the old and embrace the new, so that the light that's now shining bright in your life can shine in somebody else's life. Ephesians chapter five, verses six through 14. I love this one. And the Bible says, don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in the things these people do. For once you were full of darkness. Yes, I was full of darkness. I looked terrible. But now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For, the, for this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, do what? Expose them. It is shameful 
even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. Not a single thing can hide from it. This is why it is said, awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Jesus himself said that he is the way, the truth, the life, and the light of this world. Again, I don't know what these uh, other proclaimed religions say, and I'm not scoffing them. They're free to do what they desire. But the man named Jesus made a claim that I don't know anyone else to have made, and it was actually true. He claimed to be God. He didn't say I'm a prophet. He didn't say that uh, I've come to give just a good message and go on about my business. No, 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 no. He was the promised seed because of a fallen and diseased humanity who had root rot, something that we visited a few months ago in Bible study. Because this world had root rot, it needed to be gutted up from out the ground. It needed to be dusted off. It needed to be treated in medicinal herbs so that it could be replanted in new fertile soil so that new life, new sprouts, new branches, new fruit could be born. And the only way that was going to happen was if we had a new plot of land to be planted in. Well, the old plot, which was the world, was covered in darkness and it had nothing beneficial to offer the seeds that were being planted in the ground. They were planted, they would try to sprout, but would immediately die. But when Jesus, who was the promised seed, was planted into the ground, thanks to that cross called Calvary, not only set all the captives free, but when his seed opened up, the blood and the water, which was for the remission of your and my sins, spread out giving new fertile soil that the world had never seen before. And just like a good farmer, he asked his farmhands, do you think that we should plant here on this ground? So he's asking you today, if you don't already know him, would you allow me to replant you in this new luscious ground where they have all sorts of exotic fruits and all sorts of the most wonderful and healthiest vegetables you've ever seen? Would you allow me to take you there or would you like to stay here in this dirty, broken down form, which is covered and God only knows what? It's your choice. But because God is so good and because he revoked his own divinity to die for you and for me, not because he wanted something more, but because he knew we needed it. And then not only did he know that we needed it, but he left us instructions on how to make life practical according to his goodwill. Brothers and sisters, when we take our darkness and we put it out into the light, just like there's light covering my room right now, you can see everything in it and nothing can hide from you here. So because God himself is the light, and though you think you may be getting away with things, if that's what your goal is for this life, then let me tell you right now, and I'm telling you from personal experience, nothing you do is hidden from God. There's a term my grandmother taught me called quorum Dio, which means the stare of God. And it means that while you think you're there alone, if you were like me, watching countless hours of pornography, doing any and everything you thought would scratch that itch. If you're at the bar getting wasted, if you're somewhere ducked off in a corner or in an alley or at home or wherever you may want to be abusing whatever it is. 
God is right there looking at you. And it's not to scare you. It's to encourage you to do the right thing. Father, I'm sick. When you're sick, you don't stay at home. You go get some medicine for it. You go consult a doctor because they know more than you about the illness that you suffer with. So because God Almighty knows more about this sin sickness that we deal with than I do, I need to go consult my doctor, as the old folks say. As one of my favorite gospel songs says, Jesus is my doctor, and he writes out all my prescriptions in the room. So all you have to do when you're feeling sick or feeling blue is to call out on that name. Open up that that doorway to heaven and let the light come beaming down in. So whatever Satan is trying to do in your life, he'll be reminded that no weapon, not a single one formed against you can prosper. Luke chapter seven, verses 36 through 50. This is one of those Bible passages that gets used a lot in the church. But for us right here, it, it, Lord Jesus, it pays, it plays a really important role in this lesson. We're talking about the alabaster box. And if you aren't familiar, there was a woman who was notorious for doing nefarious things. And when she found out that Jesus was having dinner at one of the local tax collectors homes, she brought a box full of this ointment or perfume as the new translations say. And when she saw the Lord, she broke it open and she anointed his feet. She kissed him. She wiped it with her hair and her tears. And she did that the entire time that she was there. And I'll let Jesus go ahead and finish painting that picture for you. Now, it is an open Bible moment. I will put it on screen for you to reference. And we will go ahead and get started in verse 36. And the Bible says one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt down behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one, and 50 pieces of silver to the other. But neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose, the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet. But she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. 
Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I've always loved the alabaster box story because it's not just about what the woman did. It's not just about what she acknowledged about herself like we've been doing the past few Bible studies. And it's not just about how good God is to forgive us of our sins. See, my relationship with God for me is the most important thing that I have in this world. There were several times in my life where I've wanted to give up, where I've wanted to call it quits, where I was about yay close to dipping into mental insanity. Um, times where I've wanted to beg my grandmother to go lock me up in a place because I could not deal, I could not bear, I could not comprehend what was going on with my life because of the inner turmoil that I was facing. As the Alabaster Box song by C.C. Wining says, you don't know the cost of the oil in that alabaster box. You weren't there that night when Jesus saved me. So to help bring this home for you and for me, when God offered his light, that helping hand, when I was on the floor, wounded, bruised, battered, sick, on death row, when there was literally no help around, no, no end in sight, no light at the end of the tunnel because I wasn't even in a tunnel. I was closed off in a barrel, locked with chains thrown at the bottom of the ocean, which is sin and despair. The Lord fished me out because he is the teacher of how to be a fisher for men. He fished me out of the sea. He took the chains off that barrel. He took me out the barrel. My eyes, which couldn't see if you've ever seen the Matrix when Neo first woke up, he couldn't use his eyes because he had never used them before. And he wondered why he couldn't see. Morpheus told him, you've never used them. When Jesus gave me my sight, not return it, but when he gave me my sight because I couldn't see. And he showed me what could be. And all I had to do was abandon what was. Then it's like, yes, I don't want to go back into that barrel, locked up, thrown at the bottom of the sea, knowing help will never come. But brothers and sisters, let me encourage you today. If you're saved and you're in despair, Jesus is right there with you. So you're not at the bottom of the sea. It's just a turbulent storm on your boat. But the captain, whose name is Jesus, is right there and he's steering you through it. My brothers and sisters, if you're out there and you aren't a part of the family and you don't have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you are at the bottom of that ocean, let me tell you, help is on the way. Matter of fact, help has already come. All you have to do is look at that tiny little hole that's poked in that barrel because we all have when it's that measure of faith that God implants inside of each and every one of us. And when you hear the word about who Jesus is, let that little hole of light break through, expand, encapsulate you, and watch as Jesus puts those life wraps on you so that you can float back up to the top of the sea. And then once you see the top, he's already pulling you back to dry land. And then once he pulls you back to dry land, he already has some warm clothes for you, a blanket, a fire, some food, and some good hot drink to warm you up. And once you're stable, because you're no longer in this catatonic 
fight or flight response anymore. But now you're stable and you're receptive. Once he does that for you, he's going to show you how to do it for the next person. Because just like anybody who's been oppressed or abused, you don't want to see it happen to anyone else. So the same thing goes for the spiritual captivity that so many of us have been in. I wasn't always saved. I wasn't always filled with the word. I was ugly. I was disgusting. And I stunk profusely. But God looked at all of that and said, I don't care what others say because they didn't make you. I did. And because I made you, I know the plans that I have for you. And because I know the plans that I have for you, I know the purpose that your life has. So if you feel purposeless, then the light is telling you today that you're full of it. You just can't see it. But because I can, let me show you how I see you. Proverbs chapter 27, verses 5 through 7, and Galatians chapter 4, verses 8 through 9. The Bible says an open rebuke is better than hidden love. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. A person who is full refuses honey, but even bitter food tastes sweet to the hungry. Before you Gentiles knew God, and we're in Galatians now, or before you people, and as you people, I mean all of us, knew who God was, we were slaves to so-called gods that do not even exist. They aren't real. So now that you know God, or should I say, now that God knows you, why do you want to go back again and become slaves once more to the weak and useless spiritual principles of this world? I'm only going to reference one here, and I'm going to reference this thing we call meditation. Meditation, there is nothing inherently wrong with it. I meditate day and night on the word, just like it tells me to, because I want to get better. I want to keep growing. I want to be able to help people out in a greater capacity. But see, I'm meditating on God because God is his word. That's perfect. Now, if you're meditating on these philosophical things that talk about self and betterment by being the new you. Well, who is the new me? Matter of fact, who is me? There are people to this day who do not know who they are and they are still searching. And when they think they found it, that image of themselves keeps changing ever so slightly. It may be an inch. It may be a centimeter. It doesn't matter. The fact is that they are still changing. And what they thought was themselves really isn't. And once you've moved oh so far, ever so slightly, you look back and you still wonder, who am I? But let me tell you about who you are in Christ Jesus. See, once you realize that you are a child of the Most High, that never changes. That never deviates. Though your purpose may be revealed to you in a greater capacity, your purpose never changed. And because your true you, your true identity, your true self is wrapped up inside of Christ Jesus, once you get to know him, because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and forevermore, because he never changes, then your identity, my brothers and sisters, will never change. So when you shine the light on that facadical darkness that Satan is trying to to sell you, and I made that word up, but God, it fits. When you shine the light on it, 
he can't do anything with you because all the power is taken from him. Why? Well, remember, when the light shines in the darkness, the darkness can't comprehend it. It can't extinguish it. It can't absorb it. It can't appropriate it. it. It's unreceptive to it. It can't do anything with God because it is inferior to God. Satan, your enemy, my enemy, that old lion, that devil, that serpent, as much as he would like to try, he will never defeat God because God has already defeated him before there was a world to begin with. Before the, the foundations of time were laid, Jesus had already defeated Satan because he had already sacrificed himself before there was even a problem. So when the problem arose, he already had the answer because he's all-knowing, all-seeing, and all-powerful. So, my brothers and sisters, when the enemy is trying to trick you, when the enemy is trying to lie to you, when anything is trying to go wrong in the night, just remember this that not only is the light whose name is Jesus is already on your side or wants to be on your side if you don't know him yet, then there's nothing you have to worry about. I know we as people get finicky sometimes. We worry, we get anxious, we get sad, we get mad. God knows, and he's not upset with that. He's only upset when you forget that he's right there with you every step of the way. So do yourself a favor. Hug yourself, pat yourself on the back and remind yourself that Jesus, just like he promised, will never leave you, will never forsake you, will never abandon you like an orphan, but that he is always there with you forever and ever, world without end, until the end of the age. And that when your time has come, when your flower has fully bloomed in this wonderful garden called life in Christ Jesus, he's going to pick you. And he's going to put you right there in his presence forever and ever. And then, boom, you'll be right there with him. Oh, Lord. <clears throat> Romans chapter 7, verses 21 through 25. And we're going to read it straight through till we get to Romans uh, chapter 8, verse 5. And I'll put that on screen for you guys. And the Bible says, I have discovered this principle of life. That when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart. But there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. I'm going to stop right there real quick. Remember, the battle for souls has already been won. Jesus won that. Now, even after salvation, the current war is up here. Brothers and sisters, the reason why we're told to study the word daily isn't just for for God's health to say it because he's infallible, but it's for your and my benefit. If we study this word daily and we're constantly meditating on it, we're constantly praying, we're constantly seeking him out and doing his will, then we give the devil less and less and less and less and less openings to attack you. See, the more you follow God, the less openings there will be for Satan to try and come and get you. And even when he does try to come and get you, remember who's there with you, watching your back, Jesus, who's already gone ahead of you and pay, he's, he's laid the foundation for the path that you need to walk, Jesus. He's on the left and the right side holding you up. Jesus. 
He is there every step of the way so that even in your mortality, when Satan tries to do something because we just ain't there yet, God is right there every step of the way, reminding him that, look, you lost. This is my child. Shoo, shoo now. Go on for I come get you. And, you know, Satan doesn't want to do that. It's like somebody challenging Floyd Mayweather. The man has all the wins and no losses. And that doesn't mean I'm comparing him to Jesus. It's just saying that just as this mortal man has trounced every person that has come into that ring, so too has God trounced every sin, every disease, every illness, every warped mindset, every demonic attack, every stronghold, every generational curse that will ever happen. He's already overcome it. He's already won the victory. And he's given it to you today if you would just let the light shine in. So continuing, I'll put this back on screen. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. What? We still have sin inside of us? Interesting. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Or as the King James Version says, oh, wretched man that I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. But then we get to verse one of chapter eight. There is therefore now no condemnation. I can't be blamed for anything. I'm not going to receive any punishment for none of my sins. Why? Because I'm in Christ Jesus and I don't get judged because I'm not walking according to the flesh or I'm not chasing my lustful desires. But instead, I'm chasing after Jesus. I'm chasing after the kingdom of God. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weaknesses of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by getting his son, by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the spirit. Brothers and sisters, you're human. Remember that. Please remember that. Don't let anyone else tell you that you're, you need to be perfect to please God. That's a lie. Jesus is not expecting that. What Jesus is expecting is like he said through me in the beginning of this lesson, that you were earnestly trying to do better. And how do you earnestly try? You pick up the word, you study it, you write it on your heart and on your mind so that when you want to do wrong, you can't do wrong because the word is ingrained in your soul. And even when you do mess up because we're full of human fallacies and we make mistakes every single day, Sometimes you wake up and the first thing on your mind is a bad or dumb thought. You're human. But what God is saying is that even though you are full of flaws, because I love you so much, let me keep shining my light in those dark places in your life. When you introspectively look in 
through my magnifying glass, which is the word. Let me shine the light in that dark spot over there. Let me shine the light in those dark spots over there. Let me heal you so that you can be just that much better, so that you can turn into the perfect vase that I'm sculpting you to be, so that when everyone looks at you and say, wow, how did they get so beautiful? Jesus did it. Then when you start looking outwardly at your surroundings, again, look through my magnifying glass. See what is right according to me, not to you, because the human definition of right and wrong changes every single day. Aren't we great? But look at look at the world God's way. And when something's not right, if you can fix it, do it out of love. That wonderful thing that Jesus did. He didn't come down and smite us. No, he didn't do any smiting. Instead, he took the humble position of a criminal, of a slave, of a destitute being. And he died on a cross for you and for me, somewhere that we should have been. And because he died, he let his light shine into the world so that all of us can be saved. So even when you want to do right and sometimes you do wrong because, yes, it happens, guilty as charged. Remember you're not being condemned for it. As much as Satan would love to get those accusations across to the judge, he can't because of double jeopardy. Jesus steps up and simply says, Exhibit A, my nail-scarred wounds. Exhibit B, those thorny patches across my head. Exhibit C, those stripes across my back. Or Exhibit D, the big hole in my side where the blood and water came pouring out for them. Or my personal favorite, Exhibit E, when he rose on the third day with all power of life and death in his hand and everything was subjugated back unto him because it was all bowing unto the beautiful, lovely Savior whose name is Jesus. So again, remember, if you love Jesus and you're actively trying by making this practical, by praying, by doing your part, then there's no condemnation because it's already been paid for. Your books have been covered. Your rap sheet has been ripped up. Your permanent record has a whole bunch of those black remittal lines like you see in, uh, in army documents where things have been remitted. Why? Because there was a remission for sins. To top us off, <clears throat> John chapter 6, verses 16 through 21. And the Bible says that evening, Jesus's disciples went down to the shore to wait for him. But as darkness fell and Jesus still hadn't come back, they got into the boat and headed across the lake toward Capernaum. Soon, a gale swept down upon them and the sea grew very rough. They had rowed three or four miles when suddenly they saw Jesus walking on the water toward the boat. They were terrified, but he called out to him, to them, don't be afraid, I am here. Or, uh, as the Greek says, the I am is here. Then they were eager or they were willing, as the King James says, to let him in the boat. And immediately they arrived at their destination. If you're not familiar with the Bible, whenever Jesus popped up onto the scene, things changed. Whenever Jesus popped up in a city or a town and there were demons uh, messing with people running amok, they had to leave. Whenever there was a sickness or an ailment or an infirmity and Jesus came to town, it had to go. So whenever there's a storm in your life and there's a depression or anger or sadness or jealousy or something that isn't befitting of God's blessed name in that storm, then guess what happens when Jesus steps up to the scene? 
it has to go. If God is preparing you by allowing a few things to happen in your life, but then depression tries to rear its ugly head, all you have to do is call on that name, Jesus. And just like the present help that came when you were floating at the bottom of the ocean in that barrel locked up, all the enemies, all the bad tides, all the storms, they're going to look and say, oh, no, I got to get out of here. Because if I stay here any longer, then he's going to handle me. I don't know how much clearer I can make that for you guys. But I thank you, Jesus, for making it clear to me when I doubt sometimes. When you call on Jesus's name, no matter what you're going through, when the I am that I am steps in, it has to dissipate. Now, I know they seemed afraid. And yeah, we seem afraid sometimes because we've been living in this world where there is no help, where there is no light at the end of the tunnel, where no matter how well crafted Satan may try to disguise things, it's still full of death and filth and dirt and grossness. When the actual help comes because we've been brainwashed into thinking it would never happen, we get a little scared because we're like, well, if we go there, my life will change. Good. Let it change for the better. Nothing in this world, no matter where you search or how hard you try, will ever fulfill you, will ever heal you, will ever make you better, will ever make you smarter, will ever make you wiser. It will never fill you with real love. It won't do a single thing for you because there is no light in this facade called the kingdom of darkness. But in the kingdom of light where Jesus resides, when he shines his light in your life, there's healing, there's love, there's joy, there's peace. There's no more anxiety. The tears, they go away because every time this world tries to make you cry, Jesus bottles them up and he plants them in the garden of your life to make something beautiful happen. So let the light shine in. We've already looked internally. We've looked at our surroundings. Now look at the big whole picture. It's God. It's people, then it's you. And when you serve him in that smack dab sandwich order, it really looks like this. There's God and he's covering you and he's covering everything else in your life. And because there is a covering on your life, nothing can get to you whatsoever. Things may affect you, but they don't get to you. You may start to feel a little weary because you're human. But you don't ever run out of strength because your source of strength is the eternal one. Heavenly Father, we come before you in prayer saying thank you, Lord. God, we thank you so, 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 so very much for your everlasting light that continually shines in this dark world, paving a way for all the lost souls, God. For those of us who are already with you and who are struggling because we're having some identity crisis. God, remind us of who you are because of who you are, God, we are God. I am because you are God. I am because you've already made a way, Lord. I am because you've already paid the price, Father. So Lord, to those of us who are in you that are struggling, remind us of just who of our Father is, of how good of a God you are, of how many battles you've lost because you haven't lost a single one, of how many souls that you lost because you haven't lost a single one, God, of how many souls you saved because you saved every single one that is earnestly called out into your name, Lord. And God, to those who don't know you, Lord, let them hear 
not just this message, but a message about you, God, so that they would understand that I don't have to stay in the bottom of that ocean of sin. I don't have to sink deeper into depression, that I'm not going to find happiness at the, the bottom of a bottle of alcohol or at the end of a joint or in some sort of drug or in a person or within some philosophical idea or anywhere in this world. But I'm only going to find what I'm looking for inside of you, Christ Jesus, because you made all of us. And though we fell astray, you made a way back home. And that hole in our soul that we're searching to fill can only be filled by the creator, not by more creation, not by a fellow createe, but by the creator himself. So, Heavenly Father, shine your light in this darkness, God. Shine your light in the darknesses of our heart, because as we know, even though we're saved, we're still filled with some problems. But God, because the shedding of your blood was the remission for our sins, this sanctification process that we go through is continually removing those old seeds of iniquity. So, Father, yank them all out at the right time, according to your will, so that we can grow, so that we can manifest your perfect and holy will in our lives and so that we can reap and receive all the blessings that you so justly have for us. It's these things we thank you for in Jesus mighty name. Amen and amen. Hey family, I pray the lesson has blessed you in some way, shape, form, or fashion today. Each week we hold Bible study on Zoom and it would be wonderful to share this experience with you. If something was said that resonated with you and you aren't a part of the family, I would like to open the invitation to join. I pray that the Lord blesses you in all of your endeavors and that you chase after the prize, which is Jesus. See you next week, God willing, and be blessed. <laughs>